0: Growing the Game with Ballsy is a podcast dedicated to growing the game of football in Saskatchewan. Each week, Michael Ball will talk with rider guests, but he'll also highlight amateur athletes, coaches, and builders in his province growing the game we love. Now, here's Ballsy.
1: And I'm back from holidays and ready to hit the ground running. Hope you're doing well. I was away in Dubai, and I I hear we have some sort of gathering in Ottawa, and it's scared our spineless prime minister into his bunker. He got COVID-19. I guess you know the pick and choose virus, the one with the made up rules. He chose to get it now instead of facing those who disagree with him. Well, it looks like Canada's had enough of all this BS and that makes me very happy. Anyway, I want to thank two of my sponsors who have gotten on board once again. Face First Medical Aesthetics in Regina above Gables on Doudney. It's the place they call Beauty Avenue. If you want to beat back father time in a naturally looking way, go see Crescinda. In just over one year, she's become the best in the business. Ask her about the Skin Booster treatment. And my buddy, John Ryan, Regina Football Royalty. John, a great community guy, a Super Bowl champ, a two-time CFL All-Star with an all-world leg, funny and attractive comedian slash actress wife. And it doesn't matter how big a deal he is, this dude has always given back to Regina. Last year alone, a $200,000 scholarship for the U of R Rams. And he is supported of the Regina Minor Football League with the Gear Up with John Ryan Foundation. I thank him for his friendship and supporting everything I do and a lot of the community things here in Regina. We've got a list of sponsors who are going to join again. If you'd like to join and help grow the great game of football, direct message me on Facebook or email me at mball at harvardmedia.com. Speaking of Ryan, let's start the podcast with a chat. With number nine, Riders have decided not to re-sign the local football hero. It is sad but true. John Ryan of Regina, of Sheldon Williams, of the Regina Rams, of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, of the Green Bay Packers, of the Seattle Seahawks, and of your Saskatchewan Rough Riders is about to become a free agent I'm very passionate. You're a friend, but you're like a brother, so I'm, I may be looking through this a little bit with John Ryan Glasses. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty ticked today that you're not going to be back with the team, but how do you feel?
0: Uh, that's, uh, that's football. That's pro football for you. You know, I think that uh, I kind of knew this was coming ever since I got hurt back in October. Uh, it, after playing for 18 years, it's hard to kind of surprise you, and I, I definitely wasn't surprised by this whatsoever. So I kind of saw it coming, and uh, you know the riders decided to go another direction. They want to go younger, which isn't too hard when I'm 40 years old, and uh, they want to go cheaper, which is uh, something we can talk about later. But uh, that's uh, that's what they decided.
1: Okay, can you can uh, you've always been real with me? Can you be real as real as you can be with me? If I'll ask you questions, you answer whatever you want. Okay. Absolutely, buddy. Okay, so, uh, you know, people have been throwing around that you make a lot of money. Um, You don't really make a lot of money playing, do you?
0: Um, I mean, I I, I do fine. Uh, I think last year, I don't know what it was. It was probably in the low $70,000 range uh, that I made uh, during COVID and leading up to last season. I spent way more than that training and getting ready for the season. You know, I take this very seriously. I want to perform my best so uh I, I spent more than that just on training on coaching on supplements on, on all that stuff, so the money means uh very little if uh, anything to me i've I've been very fortunate and i've I've made my money playing in the n f l and coming back to Regina was uh had nothing to do with the money
1: okay, so let's go now and talk about uh what the rider said to you. who talked to you? was it Dicky was it o'day was it both of them, and what did they say to you exactly if you can tell us
0: oh so I, I i talked to Dickie the other night, and uh as I said, I saw this coming uh Dickie just said that uh, they want that what I just told you they want to go younger uh, they want to go cheaper the way the rules work right now with uh, Randy Ambrose trying to destroy Canadian content and that is CFL uh, they bring in these global players uh, you have a roster spots these uh, global players if you employ the global players that gives you an extra Canadian spot uh, as well league minimum right now is $65,000 in the CFL and you have to actually pay the global players less than league minimum so uh, I can go back to the Riders and say, "Pay me league minimum," and they still wouldn't pay it because they can they can pay a foreign player even less uh, if you're outside of North America, which is uh, very screwed up in my opinion. But uh, yeah, Dickie just said they're going to go going to go younger, and uh, you know if the salary cap wasn't an the issue, they'd probably resign me. But that's uh, that's the way it goes. So, it was, you know, we had a good talk. I have uh, all the respect in the world for Dickie and you know, uh, you know, I told him that I thought that's kind of the direction they were going to go in, and I respect it.
1: So let's be let's. Right there. So so that that's where I was gonna go with this. If you were to like, if you if you would have would you have gone to them and said, you know, I'll play for the league minimum, because it's not about money for you. You've made enough money. You've got other ventures outside of football. I mean, there becomes a point where there's a certain level of respect. You gotta have self respect. But if you you were only playing right because you wanted to continue your career, play with the riders and maybe play in a home gray cup. Am I right when I say that? Absolutely, that's the reason I came back is to
0: try to bring a great cup to Saskatchewan. And honestly, uh, that's kind of a two-part answer. to That you know, number one, uh, if I went and said I'd play for League Minimum, which I would. Um, first of all, they, as I said, they can have a global player, which they did, and I'm not. I'm not crap on these global players. We had three of them last year, and I absolutely love all three of those guys. Uh, I'm still in contact with them. Absolutely great, dudes. Loved uh, playing with them last year. So it has nothing to do with them. It has to do with um, Randy Ambrose and trying to, you know grow the game through global content instead of being right here in our backyard with Canadians. I think the second part of that league minimum thing is um as you said, I don't necessarily need the money, but there's a lot of punters out there that do need the money. Uh and if I take sixty five grand, uh Ricky Leone goes to Ottawa and they said, Why why would we pay you a hundred grand when John Ryan's taking sixty five, you know, you're seventy or seventy five and it kinda it screws over the whole market if uh if one guy decides to uh take a low ball offer like that. So it's kind of a two part thing and uh i don't know what's the what's the right thing to do
1: john one of the problems with the cfl and we've talked about it you've been on our pregame show we've talked about it kicking with john ryan and by the way i hope you continue that feature with us coming up this year if, if you would i'm already out, i'm putting the pressure on you right here on the air but <laughs> no i look at this and i and i and i see this this global setup, and, and that's really the only... We're losing a local football hero that has intangibles, gives back to the community money, time, golf tournaments, charity, because they're, they're forcing teams to take global players. And you just said it. You love the guys. And it's no knocking Corey, Corey Vedvik or anything like that. But, I mean, isn't this the Canadian Football League?
0: Yeah, I don't quite get it. You know, it's uh, it's a little bit frustrating. And, I, and I'm not saying this from on my behalf to be sour grapes. I'm saying this is a massive CFL fan who absolutely loves the game and a guy who grew up looking up to guys like Lupus Pasaglia and Bob Cameron and Troy Westwood and uh, in Regina, Mike Lozacki, uh, all guys I, I really looked up to growing up. And uh, that, that's kind of gone now. I know by the last week of last uh, last season, there was one Canadian punter that played that last week. And uh, you you would never see that, you know, 20 years ago. And uh, those guys became mainstays in all those cities and became, you know, kind of local heroes in all those places. And that's kind of uh, that's going to be gone now. There's going to be uh, no more no more Canadian punters. Uh, yeah, that's in, where I'm going. That's where I'm position. going.
1: I had an argument off, uh, not an argument, a spirited debate with a guy I respect. I'm not going to name him, but he is in the CFL circles. And I said this is an attack on Canadian kickers. You know, football guys. If they can bend rules, they if they're forced into doing something, they'll find a way to make it work for them. And if I was Jeremy O'Day, no disrespect, John, I'd probably do the same thing because I'm forced to do something. So I'm going to put, I'm going to earmark one position. I feel kickers are being targeted. This guy doesn't think that's the case. How do you feel?
0: It's 100% the case. If you look around the CFL right now, Just I just said, there's one, uh, there was one Canadian punter that played in the, the last week of the season last year. I mean, that, you know, there used to be every single position, uh, every single punter in the league was Canadian. So I think it's definitely an attack on the kicker and punter position. When you look at international uh, football um, you know, you go to countries like Australia. Uh, those guys grow up kicking, kicking balls—not footballs, but Australian rules footballs—and that's that's all they do. So it's easier to correlate that to to uh, you know American Canadian football than it is uh, other positions. You know, it is just it is the fact.
1: How do you uh, how do you want to be remembered here in uh, in Ryder Nation? And just as a not even Ryder Nation, just as a football guy coming from this town.
0: Uh, I just want to be remembered as a guy who gave back. You know, I uh, I took so much from that community, uh, was given so much from that community, and I really wanted to come back to give back, not only on the field, but uh, in the community. Um, I really hope that uh, I'm remembered for, for what I've given back to uh, that city and that
1: province. I I just find, and, and maybe a last comment from you, uh, however you want to answer it, I just find, it, like... When you take the one thing we have is an identity crisis. Guys don't stay in a place long enough. They're not in the community. Back in the day, we had the Aldags, the Polys, and then more recently, uh, you know, the Durants or the Dominguez's or the, the Dresslers, the Hugheses. those kind of guys. They stay in the community, they give back to the community. That's what the CFL is missing. You're a top jersey seller. Like, I just find sometimes the business side is so short sighted just in this league in general.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I kind of miss those days. You know, I remember back in the late 80s and early 90s, uh, you know, Aldeg and uh, Poley and uh, Elgard and, uh, you know, all Glenn Suter. I mean, I could go on and on about those guys. And they were just staples in the community. And a lot of them are still around the community. George Reed's still in the community. Yeah. You know, guys that uh, played there and stayed there, uh, guys that came from the U.S. and uh, fell in love with the city, fell in love with the country, a lot of times fell in love with a girl and uh, ended up staying there. And I feel part of the reason is all these one-year contracts are just you know it's players can bounce around every year or every two years and there's no uh there's no loyalty going either way in my opinion
1: are you done now you said you only wanted to play for the rough riders or might we see you in another cfl jersey if somebody comes calling
0: uh, we will see you know uh, you know as i said i was as people know i was injured back in october and uh, that injury is just kind of healing up now to the point where I can probably step on the field in the next couple of weeks. And right now, I think it'd be easy if you were to ask me, I'd, I'd say I'm just going to walk away from the game. But I, I know myself, I know once I step on that field and start kicking again, that that fire is going to come back. And then uh, we'll have to kind of reassess things oh. when that uh, fire in my belly gets going
1: again. Great, great. So what you just told me is when you're healthy, you're going to sign with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and come back here and play a game test. That's what you just said, right? Hey, if Wade Miller's
0: listening, I'm, I'm hearing him.
1: Well, it seems like they're signing everybody. I don't know what's going on in Winnipeg. They got a money tree and no accounting. Anyway, thanks for this, John. I appreciate it. You're a good buddy. And, uh, yeah, uh, please please don't listen to any other offers. Come back to our pregame show because they already lost Manny Arsenault. Chris Jones still thinks he can play, so who knows? Maybe he'll be gone, too. Hey,
0: I love everyone back in Regina and Saskatchewan. I'm going to miss you guys, but I'll be back uh, quite often. So thanks for having me on. Thanks, buddy. I'll be back soon.
1: Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Time now for another edition of 24-Second Shot Clock Sports. I got to get the sports out before the buzzer goes off. All right? Hit the timer. Tom Brady officially announced his retirement. Brady will make millions a year in retirement, like Tony Romo does as a broadcaster and Peyton Manning's forehead does as an IMAX. The Pat Boland Trust is selling the Denver Broncos. Pat Boland Trust, based on the recent record, I'd say Patrick Mahomes owns the Broncos. And the Tampa Bay Rays may relocate to Orlando. Orlando's a market long overdue for professional baseball. A close second, Pittsburgh. <coughs> Well, Regina boy Mitch Pickton gets to continue his boyhood dream playing pro football with the Riders as he is re-upped on a new deal. Let's catch up with Mitch. Hey, Bollie. How you doing? Good, man. So take me back to uh, the touchdown, your first touchdown as a Saskatchewan Rough Roughrider. Uh, I, I was celebrating way up in the rafters of the stadium like we had won the Grey Cup. I was really happy for you.
2: <laughs>
1: I appreciate that. Uh,
2: no, it was, it was fun. We... Um... I actually that was the beginning that Shaq got hurt. Yeah. So I had to move over and I was actually playing Shaq spot in the boundary there and just had a top man coverage and a little six yard dig and Cody was able to uh scramble a little bit and find me in the end zone. So, uh yeah, it all worked out.
1: Take, take me to, uh, you got that touchdown and, and the feel of that touchdown. Does that feeling stay with you longer than fast forward to the West final, third and three, the Riders trying to keep their season alive. Cody throws it to you. You were in a tough position coming in for Duke Williams, who not only had a foot injury, but it broke his hand in that game, I found out. And so you had to come in there and, and the, it didn't go the way you wanted. Does that stay with you longer than than the positive play of the touchdown?
2: Yeah, it was a tough one. Uh, difficult situation, but um, yeah, play obviously I wish you could have made, but uh, yeah, you don't, uh, you try to get over it, but uh, you also want to remember that feeling and uh, kind of keep that in the back of your mind moving forward and um, that's a play you want to make in the future and, uh, you know, this year with the Great Cup at home, that's... Uh, a play we're going to try to
1: make. Yeah, no, and I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm trying to get inside your mind because a lot of guys I've talked to, when they win a great cup, they love it, but they think about the ones they lost. Like I talked to guys who, uh, you know, who won, uh, who lost 2009 and 2010, but won 2007 like a Wes Cates. And he's like, yeah, I love, I love 2007, but man, those other two, I just can't get over them. Are you, are you the glasses half full or half empty, meaning you get over it fast or you use that as fuel to your fire? Um, I've always
2: been pretty good at having a, a short memory, uh, especially as a receiver. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to make every play, so uh, you got to be able to, uh, to put it behind you and only let a play beat you once. And, um, you know, that, that ball is going to come again, and uh, you got to be ready for it when the time comes.
1: Yeah, so mm-hmm. your uh, workout buddy, Lennius, uh, really... Uh really came in i guess what adam called him skinniest but he really came in fit as a fiddle had a great year and now is with the atlanta falcons you were his workout buddy how much did working out with him and him pushing you and vice versa help you last season and propel you forward this year
2: yeah i think it helped a lot um just constantly having each other to uh hold each other accountable i think that was big um he played a lot of high level football playing d1 down south and um yeah, I think we just uh, brought different aspects to each other's training regiment and um, yeah, we were able to uh, to have a great off-season, and obviously, uh, it's really worked out for him. He uh, he worked really hard, and, and super excited to see him get a shot down south.
1: What do you remember about 2013 in the Home Grey Cup here?
2: <laughs> I was actually at the game, so uh, yeah, I was in the stadium that night, and then afterwards, I was out in the streets of Regina on Albert Street, and uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Might have enjoyed a Pilsner or two, and uh partying and enjoying the win
1: it's why big not deal. Why, so. why not uh golden Sun guy a guy that played for the rams another guy that played for the rams was the outstanding canadian in that game chris gets so that's something to aspire to for you but just to tie a bow on this conversation with regards to the home Grey cup how important is it for you to play in a home Grey cup here
2: um yeah i mean it's a big deal uh just my whole life obviously i know uh what the riders and what this organization means to the province so um seeing it firsthand in 13 uh was pretty cool and uh to be able to have the opportunity to bring it back to saskatchewan and and do that again uh this year coming up is uh is pretty cool and something i'm definitely looking forward to getting after.
1: uh do you have an agent or did you negotiate your own contract i know guys like scott schultz and those kind of guys negotiated their own how about you uh
2: no i have an agent okay. i have an agent rob Fry reps me oh, yeah rob's a good guy great to work with
1: yeah rob's a good guy I know him quite well so where i'm going with this when did you kind of realize it's the business it's a business now it's not just playing for the love of the game was there one moment or one thing or something in a negotiation or anything like that
2: um not so much honestly i'm not sure i've even really seen it a ton so far you see um you know when you saw guys not showing up to practice, kind of in training camp or holding out contract negotiations negotiations weren't finished up. Uh, that kind of thing is a bit of an eye-opener when you see it, but um, for the most part, uh, the Riders have been been great to me and uh, and very fair, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful for another contract and uh, excited for the season.
1: Can't wait to see another touchdown uh, on uh, Mosaic Stadium turf, and hopefully it's in the playoffs and hopefully propels the Riders past those blow-bummers from Winnipeg. Thank you very much, Mitch Picton. Take care, my friend. Alright, thanks. Take care, guys. Ray Day. Well, I guess it's official. You're retiring as the greatest quarterback of all time. Don't feel like your balls are deflated. I bet you'll come back one more time. Your time, Brady! Saskatchewan Sports Hall of Fame inductee and longtime high school football coach John Ford is calling it quits as the HC of the Lobolas Golden Suns football team
3: let's uh, get his thoughts you know Mike I've had uh, 30 good years of coaching football and and uh, 16 as the head coach here at Lobolas and put in a lot of uh, a lot of great memories made a lot of good friends but uh, it just comes to a point where it's time to, to step aside and let uh, you know, Someone else uh, who's ready and young to uh, take over the heavy lifting and the lead. And uh, we've got that here at LeBoldis. So I uh, just uh, felt like it's time to uh, step aside and give someone else a chance to uh, to take a leadership role.
1: So who is that someone else?
3: Uh, our new head coach here at LeBoldis is uh, Ryan Giesbrick. He's a uh, phys ed teacher and he's been uh, coaching uh, basketball originally and then uh, moved over to football about five years ago. He's been our uh, running backs coach uh, for the last five years and he's going to uh, assume leadership for the team.
1: Three decades of coaching football, or more than three decades, it, it wouldn't be that easy to walk away. So, do you completely walk away? Do you stick around? Uh, is it hard to stick around when you were so successful as the head coach and maybe just do something in a support role?
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I, so that's kind of where I'm at right now is trying to decide what my role might be moving forth. Obviously, uh, I'm still here teaching a little bit of this. I plan on on being here for uh, hopefully uh, you know five or ten more years. So. Uh, I'd like to be involved with the program in some way, shape, or form. What that is right now, I'm not sure whether that's going to be in a coaching capacity or support role, but uh, we'll let that unfold and uh, see where that goes.
1: Yeah, because that's not an easy decision. I know back when Greg Marshall took over the Rough Riders, Ken Miller was still around, and I don't think the guys fully bought into the new regime because the, uh, the other guy who they were successful with was still kicking around the team. Has that entered your mind at all?
3: Uh, not really. We talked about that in jest uh, with some of the coaches on the staff, and it, it's a little different at the pro level. Uh, you know, when you have an existing coach going out or coming in, uh, we're all teachers here and, and uh, lovers of football and coaching, and and we're all coaches working together. So sometimes, uh, you know, you can share the responsibility and the load. Who's doing some of the lifting? But uh, uh, you know, I, I think in a high school when you've got uh, People involved in the program, you, you want as much help as you can of people that have football experience. I think that's uh, you know where my role may lie somehow with this team is, is still being there as a as a support and a, and a resource for uh, not only for Ryan but for the uh, the coaches and the kids. And I'm comfortable in whatever role uh, I take on. I, I hope the uh, the coaching staff would be as well.
1: So give us the John Ford scouting report as a head coach as you walk away from head coaching. What what was the thing that you hung your hat on? Do you think your best attribute?
3: Um, you know, I don't know. You're loved by lots and hated by lots, as you know. In coaching, mm-hmm. Michael, uh, uh, I made a lot of good friends, and, and you know, we've had success, but have been pretty proud of the uh, the players that we've uh, put out into the community, and the, and the coaches that uh, have have been involved. The program has been lots of great coaches and support staff that have helped us along the way, and and uh, that's kind of the most important thing when you reflect on the years of coaching is not necessarily the score in any game or, or wins or losses or. It's uh, you know the relationships you build and the friends that you make and, and the product you put on the field and the product that comes out after high school is done and uh, we're real proud of uh, of a lot of our players who've gone on to great success in life and a lot of our coaches that have players that have been in the program have come back and now are coaching in the program which is really great to see them give back uh, as future leaders so yeah no it's been rewarding from that for sure
1: and you see a guy that I just had earlier on the podcast Mitch Pickton from the La Vole School and Sons that makes your school proud your program proud.
3: For sure, yeah. I, uh, I saw his first touchdown in Mosaic Stadium, and it was uh, it was a, a really proud moment for us too. Obviously, Mitch is a great, uh, great person, a great uh, football player, and we're really proud of him here, of, of a lot of the, the players that we've sent out into the world. So, yeah, no, great for Mitchell.
1: Why would you say your team has been such a juggernaut? Like you've had such a such a consistent, successful program?
3: Yeah, consistent's a good word, Michael. We've had uh, a lot of uh, great coaches in place and lots of great kids that have been in the system for a long time. And so having that consistency of the same group around and you can establish routines, procedures and, and traditions within your program. And, and, uh, you know, I think that becomes easy. It, it's hard when you, when you're constantly refreshing and bringing, you know, uh, new bodies. And sometimes you, you lose some of that, uh, momentum, right. So we've been very lucky to have, uh, fed some great coaches and players. And then, you know, kids that are young in the program that get a chance to play early in their, in their career and, and carry on some of that, uh, what 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 is put in front of them? So yeah, we're we've been pretty fortunate to be surrounded by great people here. Well,
1: my son competed against uh, your uh, team. Uh, I coached with you at O'Neill, and I also have coached against you. But I've never been uh, on the Laboldus staff or in the program. So those for those that haven't, um, what's the what does it mean to be a Laboldus golden son, in your opinion?
3: A standard we hold ourselves to maybe at, at the school or within a lot of our athletics program here at Laboldus is. Is you know commitment and, and uh, effort, and uh, you know being a great team-first player, an player and unselfish player and member of a team, and, and trying to build that sense of uh, community and and belonging to a group bigger than yourself, and, and being uh, unselfish and willing to sacrifice. And I think that's some of the you know bedrock uh, principles we had in place, and I, I think it led to a lot of success. So uh, I, I would say, and it's for any school or any team or program. When you're a member of a team, you you know you're in the right to wear the, the crest and the badge, and uh, I think we've done a good job of making that important here at our school.
1: Hey, John, you're uh, coaching hockey now. Do you have to catch yourself sometimes to realize you're coaching on the ice, a, a different sport, not football?
3: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I've uh, coached hockey for a lot of years, so obviously when my kids were growing yeah. up, and and uh, a number of other sports, and coached high school hockey at uh, O'Neill and La for the last 20 years as well. So I've had a lot of good uh, miles in the ice as well, and and yeah, the goal is just not and getting from the bench to the, uh, to the locker room.
1: <laughs> hey, well, congratulations. We'll see you around uh, some sort of sporting venue, I'm sure, for uh, many years to come. Thanks, John. I bet you, balls. you, Take care. Well, the Super Bowl goes down on February 13th, and, of course, Valentine's Day is the 14th, so here's a great question. Would you give up sex for six months if it meant your team would win the Super Bowl or any type of championship. 40% of NFL fans said yes, 48% of men and 36% of the women. 64% of men, 63% of female fans would rather see their team win a Super Bowl than get some lovin' on Valentine's Day. But here are some reasons why watching football is better than having sex. You can fall asleep in the middle of watching football and not hurt anyone's feelings. When your kid walks in on you watching football, he doesn't scream, Mommy, why are you sitting on top of Daddy? You're hurting him. He's moaning. You can invite coworkers to watch football with you and not lose your job at CNN. Another reason why watching football is better than having sex. You don't have to think about your grandma naked to watch football for a long time. <laughs> right, ladies? Nobody calls security when you watch football on a bus. You don't have to give a crackhead 20 bucks to watch football with you. And another reason why watching football is better than having sex. Duh. Your wife actually wants to watch football with you. Well, after a coaching search, the Regina Rams have finally decided to remove the interim tag and make Mark McConkie the first former player to be the coach of the University of Regina Rams. Well, Mark, Did you have any doubt that this day would arrive and they'd remove the interim tag? Uh, I would not say any doubt. I was just just excited to kind of get
4: past it and move on and start focusing on uh, what we've got to do this offseason to have a competitive
1: team next season. You said earlier when I interviewed you, when this process was beginning, you welcomed it. Really? Did you welcome it? Like, come on, man. You ushered this team on an interim tag through an unprecedented time. I hate using that word, but it was an unprecedented time through a pandemic. Didn't you think you deserved the job already?
4: No, honestly, I, and I, I truly mean this. Uh, I told our players this yesterday when we had our meeting before it uh, was officially announced. It's, it's such a great life lesson. Uh, like, don't take anything for granted. Don't think you deserve anything or are entitled to anything. Everything you earn in life, everything you want in life, you have to go earn. And that's exactly what I did. I put, I didn't take my me getting an interview for granted. I spent hours and hours making sure my resume and cover letter were perfect. Um, and then I did a ton of interview prep um, with lots of coaches and guys that I lean on to make sure I was ready and uh, put, put my best foot forward. And that's exactly what happened. So it's something I didn't take for granted. I didn't feel entitled to the position. Uh, I went in like I wasn't really even in the role to begin with. And uh, again, I, I earned it, and now I'm happy I can say that. And no one can say, "Ah, oh, they just gave it to him; it was the easy way out." So I went against some of the best guys there are—free uh, agent coaches—and I earned it. So I'm, I'm happy with the result.
1: Yeah, I heard Kavis Reed was in the mix. Jamie Borum, who's coaching out uh, in the BC Junior Football ranks, former rider, punter, uh, others in the mix too. So you definitely uh, went up against some stiff competition. What was uh, what was the toughest question you were asked, or was there one that you weren't really expecting? Can you take us inside the interview room?
4: Yeah, no, the interview was it was great. Uh, I, I was prepared. I coached you to myself. Again, he's a, the, no longer a CEO of ISC, but he. Kind of, we went through all the tough questions. Okay, what, the, what if they ask you this? What's going to be your answer? So when you prep yourself and you're ready for, for anything being thrown at you to actually go in the interview, they all kind of seemed like easy questions uh, compared to some of the questions that I was preparing for. Um, but I think the hardest part was that you had 15 minutes to present Uh, your vision, your coaching philosophy, and where you're going to take the team. So uh, there's there's not a lot of time. In 15 minutes, you got to talk fast. And uh, I think that's part that uh, got me the job is I did a good job presenting kind of my vision for the program. And that ultimately led to me getting the job.
1: Good news on a podcast. You don't have to speed up. So tell us your vision for the team now.
4: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, Ultimately, we want to be the gold standard of U sports football for the student athlete experience. Uh, In five years from now, I want other teams calling me Asking for the blueprint, like what did you guys do to turn this around? Uh, you were one in five in 2021, and now you're back-to-back Hardy Cup champions, 22, 23, uh, whatever it may be. So that's that's my vision for the students, and I just want I want people in the university to be excited uh, for the team we have here, and respect the players and the coaches. Uh, I want our coaches to be role models um, for our student athletes. Uh, I want the Rams Board of Directors to get re-energized and get excited for the future of the program, which they are. I've got lots of great support and texts and emails from uh, past Rams alumni and people are getting re-energized and re-excited for the program so uh, that that's all part of my vision there's there's lots here and I'm I'm just so excited and I'm just excited to kind of get this past me you know I'm not a big spotlight guy so let's put the spotlight back on the players and I know our off-season motto is just work and these guys are working their tails off right now and they're the ones who deserve all the credit
1: sure I've asked you this before but it's worth asking again what did you take for granted as a player that you don't now as a head coach? You know, Bernie, Frank, everybody that, uh, you know, you'd you'd practice, you'd have your schoolwork, you'd go home, they'd still be there or they'd be there before you got there. What What are you now more appreciative of as a head coach?
4: Yeah, I mean, you take a lot for granted as a player. Um, to be honest, some of my best memories are just hanging out in the coach's room, playing crib with uh, old man Dankowski or uh, just coming in and kind of, just, just talking, just about life with uh, with Frank or Bernie, and um, it wasn't even. Yeah, we made a lot of great memories uh, within some football games and against catching touchdowns, whatever it may be. But my best memories and stuff I took for granted. I tell our guys when we're recruiting them is enjoy it. It's the best five, six years of your life, because um, after that, then it's kind of you have a job and you got bills, you got a house, you got kids, you got other stuff on the go, and just enjoy this time because it's something you'll never get back. Um, and it's kind of cool being the head coach, and I can see our guys having those experiences. Um, So that's great that I can kind of help foster those. But ultimately, it's it's all about them. And I hope they enjoy their experience like I did here.
1: You mentioned taking things for granted. Your team had, I think, probably four games by the Short and Curlies and let it get away. Like that record was not indicative in some respects of of how good you were. But then it was indicative because you are what your record says you are. Were you worried about those collapses when it came to the interview process and getting this job? No, not at all.
4: Um, And like I said in my press conference, uh, the success of this football program is going to be multifaceted. It's going to be in uh, many different categories. In the football category last year, we were not successful. We were 1-5. Like you said, you are what your record shows. Yeah, we're four points away from being 4-2 and and holding a playoff game, but no one cares at the end of the day. Um, Like I'm sure there's people yesterday, why'd they hire that guy? They went 1-5. But what they don't see are the successes that we've built uh, in academics over the past two years, changing our team culture, changing our expectations, uh, being more out in the community, volunteering with kids. Those are successes of our football program. Now we just needed to carry over onto the football field. So I would say yet yeah, last year was a success for us, uh, for all the leadership development we did, the staff development, and the COVID year off. Did it pay off on the football aspect? No. We're 1-5, but you know we're close. We're, and you are what your record shows. So I'm just excited for... Uh, Bit of a redemption season next season, uh, full schedule, and I know our guys are going to be ready to go.
1: I think you guys have a, co- a solid coaching staff. I think you're uh, men of good character, great character. Sorry, let me say great character, not just good character. Um, but it's a challenge to coach at the U of R. And just hear me out. You can agree or disagree. I think if you're being honest, you'd agree with me. It's it's the small market. Like you could have the best coaching staff and you could have a really good facility like you do and you could have things line up and if that kid wants to take a program that's not at the U of R then he's not going to go there and and in that sense i mean you look at the your rivals they're bigger universities more to offer and i'm not diminishing the U of R in any way but Let's be honest, that's a challenge for you guys. You're a small market team. I've said this before. I said it to Frank. You you guys work hard, professional, put guys in the pros. But to win a championship, first of all, it's very hard at youth sports, as you know, it doesn't matter the size of the university. But then for the Rams, I always feel you gotta catch lightning in a bottle. You gotta have a good recruiting year. You gotta have your guys stay healthy. And uh, you know, have the bounces go your way, kind of like that year when uh, when we hosted that uh, one playoff game uh, and we lost in the the first round of UBC when when the Rams uh, had that spectacular year with Noah Pickton. Would you agree or disagree with my kind of mini rant there?
4: Yeah, no, for sure. There's a, there's a lot to digest. There, it's a, it was a big rant, but ultimately you're right. And our coaches know that. Like uh, we always say, like you got to, in order to win the van and come out of the Can West, the stars have to align for you. You got to stay healthy um you need to peak at the right time you can't peak too early in the season like teams like like Blake Neal's teams, he always done a, he's always done a great job kind of his team made me out the best at the start but as the year goes on they get better and better and better um so that's something that we're striving to do so you you need all those things again injuries is a big one you need the stars to align um and then for as for the U of R yeah it's tough for sure I mean there's some great players that we've lost to the Huskies up north and that's they want to take agriculture, and there's literally nothing we can do. I'd I to be agriculture. I was like, Are you sure, what about business? What about this? Like, we got great education, great business program, great this. No, agriculture, and that it closes some doors early in the recruiting process. But that's that's how it goes. And I know what I signed up for, and uh, so did Frank and Gibson and Steve. And it is what it is. And I think we have everything we need here to win a U Sports championship. We just won't have any players in agriculture, and that's okay. <laughs> uh, that's how it goes. So you got to make the most of it, and. Um, I think we're starting to sell people just on our program and what we do for the student athletes and their experience here, and that's ultimately why guys are going to come here and play here. Yes, we're going to lose those agriculture uh, student athletes, and that's okay. There's that's I don't I don't argue that anymore. It's just it is what it is. That's the so, that's the courtesy of being here at U of R compared to U of S or U of A, whatever it may be. Um, but we can we've got all the faculties we need. The big ones. Uh, to get the players that we need to do in the building and to
1: win a championship. Do you do you hang your hat on the fact that this football team, this program, it generates great men in the community and everything like that. But let's talk football. Akeem Hicks, Stefan Charles, John Ryan. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I'm not just talking CFL. I'm talking NFL. I don't think in the past this team has done a good enough job of promoting. Like the stars of tomorrow are right here today in this program, and we churn them out.
4: Absolutely. Yeah, I know that's definitely something we need to do a better job of and keep improving, whether it's through our marketing that these guys played here and bringing these guys back to come speak to the team and um, even speak at some of our fundraising dinners. like a guy like Tavon Campbell, who's now made it, hit the Chargers. I know that's your team, so we'll get into that, but he's uh, he's just a steward of the U of R. Great guy. He texts me all the time. He texted me yesterday. Um, So those are the kind of things we need to push more uh, here at the U of R, and I know I'm working on a wall mural right now of all the guys that played in the NFL, like Johnny and Akeem and Stefan and all those things. Like, we have something we need to sell more of here, um, and that attracts recruits, right? I mean, ultimately, yes, we want them to go pro and do those, but they're here for school. But to know that five guys have played in the NFL from here, that's pretty cool to know, whereas other teams don't have any, right? So that's, that's something we do need to promote and push uh, as part of our recruitment.
1: Okay, so lastly, you could tell everybody now that when we worked together, the receivers at the Regina Rams camp way back in the day, we worked together. Uh, I taught you everything you know. You could tell all the people that now, if you want.
4: Yeah, absolutely. You're uh, you're a mentor. You're the, you taught me everything. You and I'll, I'll give Bernie some credit. You and Bernie. Uh, but yeah, no, I do remember those days, and those are I love those days. I love working with. The, Especially the little, the little kid uh, junior camp. Those are yeah. some of the funnest weekends I've
1: had here. I joke. You, I told Bernie after I was done with you. So that kid, uh, not only good player, but a good person. He's got a bright future, and I'm glad they removed that stupid interim tag and made you the permanent head coach of the U of R Rams. Congratulations, buddy. Thank you. Appreciate bothy. And that'll do it for another installment of Growing the Game with Ballsy. Thanks for checking us out. Tell all your football friends about this podcast as that's one great way to grow the game of football in this province by word of mouth. If you'd like to support this podcast in sponsorship form, please email me, mball at harvardmedia.com or reach out to me in direct message form on social media. Of course, Growing the Game with Ballsy on Instagram, Growing the Game with Ballsy on Twitter, and we have the Growing the Game with Ballsy Facebook page, as well. We'll talk to you soon.